With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back for another edition of the Hawkeye Nation Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, publisher of HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, haven't done one of these in a few weeks. Um, I think I've thrown the line out there uh, maybe last week or the week before. It just seemed like uh, wasn't a lot to be asked at that time. Where it seems like we've been in a holding pattern here for most of uh, the summer as it relates to the Iowa football investigation uh, Big Ten schedule, what what the fall is going to look like, this COVID, uh, you know, how that's going to affect, further affect uh, what the season's going to look like. Uh, we've already gotten to the point where uh, it's a conference-only schedule for Iowa, so no Cyhawk game this year, no matchup with Northern Iowa. So people have kind of wrapped their minds around that. And uh, so there hasn't been a ton to talk about, really. Everybody's kind of just waiting to see what happens here and we're uh on uh wednesday june the 20 or june july the 29th it feels like june feels like march still uh it's july the 29th my wife's birthday happy birthday to my wife Catherine. um she allowed me some time to uh do the podcast after we had a family lunch in her honor um it is wednesday july the 29th 2020 uh it's about 4 11 in the afternoon a little later than i uh I usually record these, and uh, that's for good reason, because I, uh, I fade as the day goes on, <laughs> especially as I get older. Once it hits like 6, 7 o'clock at night, I'm uh, looking to have a beer and just kind of unwind. So uh, forgive me if I'm not my energetic self, my normally energetic self today. So let's jump right into the questions. Let's start, uh, where were we start? Let's start on Twitter today. Um, and Alec Ahmed Johnson asks, any word on when, and on that's, uh, uh, let's see here, any word on when, and we're talking about the schedule, any word on when an updated schedule will be released, if another Big Ten game gets added, any idea who that may, might be? Uh, we had another scheduling question here uh, as well. I might be able to tie that in. Um, let's see. Uh, Rod Alger, 
uh, also asked, since we are only playing conference games this football season, has there been any announcement on what the schedule will be? So uh, both of you guys had basically the same question. And no, we do not know yet uh, as of right now. Let me check my email just in case I may have missed it. Nope, nothing yet. So you're probably looking at at least uh, tomorrow, which would be July the 30th. So we're almost to August Camp will open a week, a schedule to open a week from this Friday, August 7th, and there's still not a schedule yet, but we're just, uh, we're, we're living in some unusual times now, so I, I don't envy a lot of the administrators uh, at the conference level, um, you know, at the, or at the university level trying to come together and put together the best schedule here. Um, I've heard Different scenarios here that Iowa or uh, Iowa, the Big Ten wants to add a 10th game. I think that's probably likely. Uh, earlier today, we heard uh, from the ACC that they are, they released their schedule, at least their conference schedule of nine games, and then they're allowing for a non-conference game. And for, um, for those that uh, are familiar with that, those, comp, you know, the ACC, SEC, they're kind of in that same, they're kind of like the Big Ten, Big 12 in the same area of the country, or at least in, in neighboring regions and um, some with some overlap. But, you know, there's the Clemson, South Carolina game. Um, I'm trying to think of other SEC, ACC uh, I can't think of what they are right now, but I, that one pops to my mind. But it almost simultaneously to the ACC releasing its conference schedule, or at least who the teams will play, and then a plus one, that plus one non-conference game was supposed to uh, save those games. That you know the the Clemson South Carolina uh, interconference games, if you will. Um, but then uh, simultaneously, the SEC came out and said uh, that it's thinking about going to just 10 conference games. So Power 5 football is a mess. You've got five Power 5 conferences all going in different directions, wanting to do different things during a pandemic. And it's just – it's cr- kind of just creating – you know, anarchy, disarray right now. So who the heck knows what this is going to look like? I'm sure the Big Ten is putting a lot of thought into this and trying to make it as logistically, uh, you know, acceptable as possible just for the programs, uh, trying to, you know, um, work in bye weeks in case you have to make up games, in case there are games canceled because of the virus uh, and teams maybe having a spread um, within the program and having to shut things down. We saw Iowa's basketball program had to shut down for 14 days after they discovered or, or came up with two positive COVID tests within the program. So uh, it's going to happen. I mean, the Big Ten football season is not going to go off without any issues. Um, Rutgers has had a problem today. I know I saw a story on that where they had guys go to an on-campus party. So now they've got positive tests. Michigan State's been shut down. Then there have been schools that really have had, you know, Texas came back recently and had, had a good report. Iowa's done pretty well on the football side. Um, you know, a lot of schools are doing well. It's just you're dealing with college-age kids and you're telling them basically to be in a bubble with like the NBA or the NHL, and they're not in a bubble. They're 18- to 23-year-old kids who uh, want to go out and do what they want to do. And, you know, it's you, you want them to all do the best, you know, do the, do the right thing and, and try to protect the season, but they're also living their lives. So um, 
tough to uh, tough to corral that nationwide and expect that to be uh, a uniform. Um, there is just there's just no governing body for college football. It's just everybody, every, all the conferences for themselves with their own rules, and uh, we'll just kind of see how this falls. But no, no Big Ten schedule yet. I would expect something. I thought we would have something last week, and then I thought we'd have something by the end of this week. Now we're getting towards the end of this week, tomorrow being Thursday, um, where um, – we're starting to bleed, get, you know, starting to move ourselves into August. Saturday's August first, so I think something's got to be coming down the pike soon. I've heard, um, you know, some speculation that they're just going to blow up the whole Big Ten schedule and start from scratch and put the the division games at the front end um, to make sure they get all those in, and then therefore they could, even if games are canceled, they could fit all those division games in and then hopefully get to a big 10 championship game at the end of the season. Sorry about that. I needed to take a drink. My throat was getting dry. That's the, uh, the downside of the solo podcast. Uh, you can't take a drink when the other person is talking, but yeah, I think, um, and I had somebody ask who uh, one of you guys asked uh, who might be the other team on the other side. It's the possibilities are Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland, and Michigan. I really have no feel for how that would go. It's going to be however the Big Ten can put that puzzle together with already having road games previously scheduled. And if those hold against Penn State and Ohio State, you would think Iowa and a home game against Michigan State, you would think that Iowa might get Rutgers or Maryland instead of Michigan or Indiana, the two better programs. But we'll kind of see. Uh, that would seem more fair if you're trying to balance out a schedule. Um, let's see here. Kind of skipped up. Uh, let me get to Kenneth Luxted. Um we went back and forth on Twitter, Twitter for a bit this morning. Um, and basically he had asked a question that I forgot to go back to. And he was wondering why I don't go back to questions um, that I say, I will go research if I don't know the answers to when I'm on the podcast, I try to look ahead at these questions before I broadcast to get an idea. Um, Sometimes one, you know, some will some will pop up late on my feed, or ones that I I miss for some reason. They haven't used the hashtag uh, HN Mail, um, and and I don't know why I didn't go back to your question, or I don't go back. I I, I guess the there's nothing sinister here, Kenneth. I um I, I'm certainly when I say that I'm meaning to go back to answer a question, I usually am. Sometimes I forget by the time the next podcast rolls around to do that. Uh, I've had got people re-ask the questions. It's nothing, you know, like I said, it's nothing intentional. I'm not trying to brush people off or ignore people. It's just, I'm 53 and I forget things. So it's um, <laughs> really, there's no, there's no really in-depth answer to that. I know you would ask the question about, um, previously that I had answered apparently, but you were just more wondering today why I don't go back. I promise you if people ask me the questions again, or if I happen to write them down, and I'll try to do a better job of that. If there's a question that's asked and I don't know it on the, the current podcast, I'll try to remember to write it down as soon as I'm done recording, look it up and get back to the answer the next time. It's nothing intentional. And I apologize to anybody whose questions I may have missed or questions who uh, were asked and I didn't go back and answer after I researched. So 
there's that. Christoph Trapp, he's got the blue, I get a blue check mark for Christoph Trapp. For those that don't know, some of the youngsters, uh, former Iowa City West offensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye offensive lineman. He's on Twitter at C Trapp, C T R A P P E, Christoph Trapp. Ask, the NFL has allowed individual players to opt out for the season. Is there an equivalent to that in college football? And what are the repercussions or rules around it? Again, like we talked about, it's, I, I'm not sure that there is, and I may have missed this. And if I did, I apologize. Um, if the NCAA issued a ruling on this, I know um, at Iowa and the big 10, you can opt out and not lose your scholarship. Um, you can maintain your scholarship. I don't know what the rules are in terms of eligibility in that case. If you, if you don't, if you've already burned a red shirt, if you lose a year uh, or you would just pick up again next year. Um, I think a lot of these things still need to be worked out based on what ends up happening here. If a season gets canceled or it's only a six game season or whatever, but I, I, I feel confident in saying these guys will not lose their scholarship. I did see, uh, where did I see that? Um, before I just started recording, uh, Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley, uh, who's projected to be a first-round pick in the 2021 NFL Draft today, opted out. He's going to train for the NFL and has decided, uh, based on seeing some of these NFL guys decide to to step away and opt out, he's decided to opt out from Virginia Tech and is just going to get ready for the NFL Draft, uh, hoping that you know next year is normal and there's a combine and pro day and things like that where he can uh you know make him but he's not going to play the season and uh i'm sure there'll be other guys he's the most high profile guy to date um but my guess is there are going to be more guys you know more guys that opt out um and, and you know student athletes and other sports could do the same if you're you know at high risk uh you know you you either yeah you have you know, relatives that are high risk and you don't want to take that chance. I would think the NCAA would at some point, if they haven't already jump in and uh, maybe maybe make an overarching role, but I don't think, I don't think any school in the country wants to, uh, to have the type of publicity of pulling a scholarship away from somebody or um, penalizing them for wanting to opt out during a pandemic. All right. Let's see if we've got anything else here. Da, 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 da. Um, I'm a Hawkeye has a couple of questions here. I think he hit me with three. Uh, let's see his first question. Can you clarify the timeline and response to the DTF report? Uh, that's the diversity task force report that was studied in the fall semester of 2018 and returned to Iowa's athletic department. Uh, early in 2019, um, and we released the full report on that last Monday, I believe it was, um, and you can find that on Hawkeye Nation. Uh, I believe you have implied you FOIA'd the report and got a five-page summary. That is correct. Uh, others um, FOIA'd that report and also got a five-page summary. As far as I know, publicly, that was the only um, uh, document that was released uh, for that report from the University of Iowa. And that's also posted on their, uh, the uh, hawkeyesports.com, I believe, or either that or the Iowa, the regular Iowa university site. But on the, the university's, uh, one of the university's official sites that is posted 
uh, the five-page summary of findings, I think it was called. Uh, only recently did you get the full nine pages. Was that leaked out to you? Do you think the university acted properly, only giving a five-page in response to the FOIA? Uh, a couple of layers of questions there. Um, I obtained the report not through the university. I will say that. Um, did I think, do I think the university acted properly? Um, when you compare the two reports, I don't think the university wanted the whole report out or they would have put the whole report out. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, obviously, if you read the five-page summary of findings, it's a much more tame, toned-down version of the full nine-page report that was much more in-depth. Uh, and, and certainly in my mind, when I read it, showed a much more uh, deeper look into racial disparity and racial bias in the Iowa athletic department. So um, it's a lack of transparency. Did they do Is it proper for them to do that? I don't know. I, I would hope that they would be transparent in these cases, but um, it's, I'm sure certainly they're not a, probably on an Island and trying to do things this way and, and, Control the message. Um, you know, if you read the nine-page report, it's obviously uh, a lot of the, um, you know, the stories or the issues that were, you know, black players came out and talked about publicly uh, on social media last month. They, they matched up, so to speak. So um, I guess I, did, did the university act properly? Eh, I don't know. I, for me, more than it being public, I thought the university should have done more. And I think Gary Barta and Kirk Ferentz have admitted as much. They should have done more with that report, regardless of what they released to us. They did not do enough, and that's painfully obvious now. Uh, I'm a Hawkeye asked uh, his second question. Uh, what do you think the general level of trust in the athletic department among f is – in the athletic department among fans. My trust is low, secret Fran extension, lack of transparency with the DTF findings, nepotism, seems to default to doing the least they can away with when problems arise. They've not been the best at conflict, conflict management um, from, you know, the uh, dating back to the Rabdo situation uh, where Barta and Ferentz were not on campus for the first press conference after that, where 13 players were sent to the hospital. Uh, you had the James Meyer, Tracy Griesbaum issues. Um, you're, you're right. The Fran, con you know, Fran McCaffrey contract that was not released publicly and had to be foiled. Um, this situation, it, it's just, they, it, it it, they have not been good with public relations and handling uh, sensitive matters. And uh, that's why I'm really interested to see what what's going to come back uh, with this external report being done by uh, Hush Blackwell, uh, you know, investigating these, the racial bias allegations. So interested to see what type of transparency is going to be there, how this situation is handled, uh, you know, because I think if there's any sense that, you know, there's, I don't know, cover up, cover ups probably too intent, you know, too strong of a word. But if, if it's seen that some important information is being withheld, um, I think you could have, you know, players that are not former players that may not be pleased with what happens here speaking out more. So, 
story is far from being finished and, and told all the way through. It's going to be interesting to see. You've got general counsel at Iowa involved with this too now. So um, a lot on the line. And as part of my report last week, I had asked, you know, um, um, multiple times about the drug testing, which was alleged by some former players as being uh, unequal in terms of black and white players. Uh, and the general counsel actually asked my question on that, answered my question on that, saying that the, the, uh, the, the uh, company that they hired to do the drug testing did not keep track of uh, uh, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, by race, they did not keep track by race of the drug testing. So need to probably file another FOIA on if Iowa kept track um, on because that's been that was brought up in the diversity task force report and then publicly by players last month. So that's something I think a question that still has not been answered. Uh, let's see. And then I'm a Hawkeye again with another question here. Any word on Brathwaite? Will he be promoted outside higher? Wait until Hush Blackwell. I think they're probably going to wait for this, uh, this report to see if anything comes back on him. He's a guy that worked with Chris Doyle for 15 years in that weight room. Um, certainly, I would like to hear from him. Uh, and I think others would as well. And just going back to your last question, I'm a Hawkeye about how the fans feel about the athletic department. I really don't have a feel for that. I know Bart is not a popular guy. Uh, I think Kirk Ferentz is overall a popular guy. Um, you know, the, I think overall the, the most of the coaches over there are, are well regarded by the fan base. Um, but overall the athletic department, I don't think Gary Barta um, is somebody that's looked on admirably somebody who they feel has done a good job uh he certainly is very good at raising money um you know in his tenure there the the facilities continue to be upgraded and are right up with most of the other universities in the conference so that's kind of his strength but as we said earlier public relations are you know and handle, handling crises are not his strengths i would say uh Oh, yeah. And back to Raymond Braithwaite, who's the interim strength coach. I, I don't know. It's, it, and it's a great question because this is such an, excuse me, this is such an important position in recruiting. Uh, athletes want to know who the strength coach is, who the guy is that's going to develop them physically. Um, so it's definitely something that Iowa needs to get worked out. I really haven't heard one way or the other on this. I think they're waiting for this report to see uh, if he's mentioned in that or, uh, you know, if, if he's the guy. Uh, I'm sure that's something they're still probably working through, but I would think it's something they want to settle sooner rather than later. Uh, I think that might be it on Twitter. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is, and I thank you for the questions on Twitter. Uh, let's hop over to Facebook. Uh, Justin Borman, 
where do we go for tight end? Uh, James Carney, Tyler Moore, Carson Williams, wait for 2022. Well, J Justin, they'll definitely go for tight ends again in 2022 class. Um, uh, Gunnar Helm, guy that uh, Iowa thought it had a good shot with uh, in this class, committed to Texas uh, this week, so lost out on him. Um, not a huge surprise there. Uh, sounds like Thomas Fedona, we've talked about that on, you know, across our, our platform of podcasts. Uh, I don't think I was really truly in the picture for him anymore. Think you never know and things can change. And I don't know as he's close to a decision yet, but I think Nebraska's a uh, leader in the clubhouse comfortably and somebody's going to have to finish the course strong to be able to uh, overtake it. Um, so, yeah, I think those names that, that you mentioned are possibilities. Um, I think there are some in-state kids that they could go for as a, you know, maybe late scholarship, potential walk-on types. Uh, I'm talking about Rafe Hamilton from Iowa City High. Uh, who are some other guys? Um, Andrew Lynch from uh, – West Des Moines Dowling. Those guys have all visited here. Uh, Rafe Hamilton's the quarterback at City High, but a big kid, really good athlete. Um, I think uh, he might be a, a developmental project. Uh, Alec, Alec Palella from Bartlett, Illinois, is another kid to keep an eye on. He's got some Mac offers, uh, and I think Iowa likes him a little bit. I don't worry too much about this position, Justin. Sam Laporta was a late offer, uh, wide receiver mostly in high school. Um, you see what they did with TJ Hawkinson, who was a pretty, you know, uh, lightly recruited kid. I, I just, Iowa has a good, I, a good knack for um, uh, identifying talent at this position, whether it's a big receiver, they feel like they can morph into a tight end or maybe just an under the radar tight end. Iowa seems to have a good knack for the tight end position. So I wouldn't say there's, there are any names on the front burner right now, but my guess is they have plenty of names on the back burner and they're kind of just waiting to see on this. It's, it's going to be hard. They've, um, you know, Laporte is only going to be a true sophomore. You got Josiah Mayim in the, you know, that's only going to be a, a red shirt freshman. And then you've got two fresh, two true freshmen in um, Elijah Yelverton and Luke Lachey. So Iowa's tight end room is pretty filled with young players right now. And that's going to make recruiting that much harder at that position. And Justin also asked, what's the percentage you would give on a Sanford commit, and that's Peyton Sanford, a wing uh, for the Waukee basketball team. He's a class of 2021 kid. Um, I would think getting him could help with Omaha. Yeah, Omaha Blue is going to Waukee next year, so um, they will be teammates, and, and that possibly could help. Um, I just I get a sense with Peyton Sanford that uh, – he really wants to see this process through and make sure that he's 100% sure. And I just, I don't get the feel that, you know, Iowa is the, that's, you know, this, the school to beat for him. I think Iowa is one of the schools that sits pretty well with him, but I think the recent Stanford offer really changed the game for him. It's an offer that he really wanted. I think he's intrigued about playing out there. He's not a kid that grew up an Iowa fan uh, and playing at Stanford is a, uh, is an incredible opportunity both uh, academically uh, and athletically. Um, 
and uh, in way of life. It's a, it's a beautiful part of the country, beautiful campus, and a lot going for it. So um, I definitely think that Stanford offer hurt Iowa's chances with Peyton, but I still think there's uh, – I, I don't think he's, he's at the deciding point yet. I think he's still working through the process, and I don't – and I could be totally off on this. I don't get the sense that he's ready to make a decision, uh, you know, in the near future. Jason Thornton asks, do you think there will be a mass transfers given all the negative publicity the team has gotten recently? Um, I assume Jason is talking about the Iowa football program. <laughs> I don't see mass trans transfers now. Um, you know, I think you would have already seen that if that was going to be the case. I think uh, these guys, uh, at least by outward appearances, when we've talked to the six players we have this summer, it seems like they are a tight unit. Uh, they give that impression on social media as well. Um, I just think it's, it's a program they're hoping to help push forward. It's a lot of great things that are, are true about Iowa football and are good about the Iowa football program that they do in that building. It just needs to be a more inclusive environment where people can be themselves. It's not, that's not to say it's just going to be, you know, a free for all over there and the coaches are letting guys, you know, for a mental image of, you know, a teacher in a classroom with kids jumping up and down in the desks and throwing things at each other. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking to be treated respectfully and um, pushed certainly and, and, you know, made to be better people and, and, and athletes, uh, but done in a way that's respectful and inclusive. And uh, sounds like they're on the way to making that happen, and it's going to be a long process, and hopefully they get there. All right, let's see. We got Tim Herzog. What's the latest news on Luca Garza, if any, given the latest COVID shutdown of Iowa's basketball? It's got to affect his looming decision. Yeah, I tweeted yesterday, Tim, that I thought that that just kind of added another layer to his uh, decision-making process. Um, so here's how this works. He can pull out of the draft uh, by August 3rd and say that he's coming back to school. And then he has till August 17th to go back into the draft if he finds out, if he, if he gets information um, that, you know, changes his mind about coming back to school, excuse me, he can re-enter the draft by the 17th. So he basically has two, two weeks um, this coming Monday. He, he's scheduled to make his announcement Sunday, August 2nd, but he has until the 3rd. And then two weeks after that, the 17th, he has to go back into the draft if he were to do that. Uh, he's been invited to the NBA draft con combine, which is kind of, you know, just kind of a, a um, uh, something that's out there, like in the ether right now, because nothing's been scheduled. We don't even know if there's going to be a draft combine. So there's really not even a decision to make with that. Just very surreal times. And I just hope that the NCAA and the NBA gets together and gives these guys as much information and as long of a decision timeline that they can make the best decision because it's a tough time. It's a tough time for those guys to make life decisions. So hopefully they're the NCAA and the NBA does what's, what's right and equip these guys with, um, you know, with, with the best, uh, most thorough um, timeline and ability to make the best decision for them. 
And Clayton Wilcox asks, who is the most important wrestler on this year's upcoming squad? When will Tom Brands run for president? I think he's got a lot of coaching left in him before he makes a run for the White House. Uh, so I don't think that's coming anytime soon. And I think he's got a, a team at Iowa that could go on a little run here. And it's unfortunate because that run could have started this year. But we've been down that road before. Um, most important wrestler. It's a good question. Uh, I'm going to go with Austin DeSanto. And my reasoning behind that, Clayton, is because I think the guy has the all the talent necessary to be, the, you know, to be a consistently dominant wrestler. Um, I, I think when his mind is right and when he's focused, he can be uh, a national champion. There's no doubt in my mind um, when he's right. And he just has to get to that place where he's right more consistently. He's getting older now. Uh, the clock is running on his career. Um, let's hope he gets to that. But I think he's kind of an X factor. If they could lock him in on a regular basis, man, that just makes them that much stronger. Uh, Robert Erias, what's the latest on the football schedule, stadium capacity limitations, and tailgating restrictions? Uh, we've already addressed the football schedule. Have not heard on stadium capacity. We heard uh, Ohio State go to 20%, I believe, this week, which would put them at around 20,000. Um, and haven't heard anything on tailgating either. I know a few schools Maybe Illinois. I'm not positive, though. But um, I would not expect tailgating on university property this season. Um, if, if it happens, um, all the better. That means we're doing better with the virus, uh, you know, and things are looking up. And, you know, I, I, but I would prepare, prepare for there not to be tailgating on campus. Now, that doesn't restrict you from tailgating on private property around Kinnick, but it's also going to be dependent on how many people are left in the, the stands. If you're looking at 20%, that's what? Uh, 17,000, right? My math is terrible, but somewhere in the 15, well, I guess it would be around the 17, 17, five area in the state in the stadium. But I think even that's probably ambitious at this point where we stand with where the virus is trending. Uh, you could see it kind of like with baseball where um, there aren't anybody in the stands other than maybe, you know, for, from, for, um, for the, co for the college level, they may be able to let family in that. Uh, I think that would probably, um, you know, he's talking about what, a hundred, hundred, 120 players for home games. Uh, if you gave each player two tickets, you're, you know, plus you're talking about, you know, people that work in the stadium and video crew and all TV and all that other stuff. So um, we'll just have to wait and see, Robert. I appreciate the questions on that. And hopefully we get some more answers here uh, as we get closer to the season. I would think at this point, as I said, we're getting close to August. Some decisions are going to have to be made here. And maybe those decisions that are made are altered based on what happens here. But uh you know, we'll have to see how things shake out and when the football season will even start. And we need a schedule still before we even get to the point where we can uh, know when the season's going to start. Um, it could start in middle September. It could start with that game, you know, at Minnesota, late September. That could be Iowa's first game. Uh, some leagues are pushing up uh, early August. It's going to be a really disjointed strange wonky type football season if we get football and we're just going to have to take what we can get. I've enjoyed watching baseball uh, when I can. It's just nice to see competitive sports 
um, live competitive sports back on the air. Um, we're going to get basketball starting tonight or no tomorrow night. Uh, hockey comes back soon. I think this weekend. Uh, so it'll be nice having multiple sports to watch again and, uh, hopefully football can figure this thing out. It's got the biggest challenge without question. In my mind, you got a lot of people running into each other (laughs) playing in a confined space. So, and they're not playing in a bubble. Uh, so we'll have to see kind of how that shakes out. Uh, Havensley asked, when did you, when you did your write-up on the depth chart coming into fall camp. What forms your opinions? For instance, you had Reggie Bracey at the backup for cash position, a true freshman who was just getting to campus. What kind of insights do you have? So, Haydensley, um, some of it is what, and I recommend everybody, I try to um, promote local uh, media members, um, Mark Morehouse from the Gazette and Scott Docterman. Uh, from the athletic have the on Iowa pod. They talk to assistant coaches in the off season, uh, the Hawk central podcast that's on KXNO uh, with Chad Leistico, Mark Emmerich, uh from the register. They have assistant coaches on. Um, and I always listen to those interviews because I think you can get a lot out of those interviews um, just kind of on where their heads are at a given time and where position coaches and coordinators are at a given time on how they view their, their, um, their roster and their, you know, the players that they have at hand. Uh, Reggie Bracey has, he was recruited um, almost, I want to say with the cash position in mind, because I think he could be a good safety as well, but he really likes the idea of playing cash and he's got that build He's very athletic. He's versatile. I think he's a kid that's going to fit well into that position. I think Imani Hooker was the, I don't think, I know that he was the mold for that cash position. Obviously, he was the first one. Started DJ Johnson out there last year. Had trouble finding somebody, and then Dave Belton got healthy, and he turned out to be the guy for that spot. I think Kevon Mayweather can play that spot. It's more of a safety than it is a linebacker, but you need a certain amount of size and strength and you know ability to play in the box to play that position. You can't just be you know uh, um, more of a, a, a lighter guy that is better in space maybe than in, in the box. So it's a unique position. And I think Bracey, based on what I've seen with film, based on talking to him, basing on, based on li- listening to coaches, that he is a guy that fits very well into that position. But your overarching question, I listened to those assistant coaches during the offseason, uh, things that I've seen with my eyes, things that I've heard beyond that, um, get an idea of talking with players, uh, towards the end of last season to get an idea of some guys that were coming up behind them. A lot of factors go, go into it. And some of it's hunch. I won't lie to you. Some of it's more of a hunch. Um, I left Joe Evans off the defensive end depth chart. Um, I think he's going to be in the rotation somewhere. I'm just not sure if he's a three down guy yet. He may be a guy that's still a specialist. Uh, he certainly has a chance to be a three down guy. And if he does, Iowa's defense is even that much better. And I like Joe a ton. I think he has a chance to be really good. If there was somebody that I felt, felt kind of weird leaving out, it was him. Uh, Melrose Hawkins. This will be the last question for the podcast. Uh, 
is this just for football or any Iowa sports? Oh, the, the, the mailbox? It's open for whatever you want, Melrose. You shoot whatever questions you want. You can ask me about tiddlywinks if you want. People still play tiddlywinks? Um, I've always wondered if this Iowa football racial inequality situation bleeds into other Iowa sports, such as affecting recruiting, in particular both men and women's basketball, et cetera. Is there a collateral damage from the acquis- from the accusations and with the state of Iowa being a Midwestern state and what could be perceived less and in what could be completely less different. Yeah. I think there are some challenges inherently with being from Iowa um, and getting uh, people of color to Iowa city. Uh, Iowa's done a pretty good job with that um, for the most part, I think. Um, but it's a challenge and it's, you know, it has to do with the in-state in dynamics too. You don't really have, I mean, Des Moines is an all right size city, but it's not even Omaha really, I don't think. Um, it's not Kansas City, it's not St. Louis, it's not Milwaukee, it's not Minneapolis or St. Paul. So some inherent disadvantages there, uh, you know, from in this region when you're looking at, uh, when you're looking at uh, other, you know, comp- competing programs and, and universities in the area. Um, I really don't have a feel for if this situation, if this story with Iowa football um, will bleed over into other sports. I'm sure there'll be questions at times for people, but I think this is pretty football related. Um, Even though that diversity task force report was an athletic department study overall, not the football program. uh, No other program at Iowa has had any claims of racial, racial, racial bias, excuse me, since that report was released. It's all been directed at football. So that's obviously where the main problem is. But if you read that diversity task force report, there certainly uh, is a mindset and, and a perception in that, in that athletic department that needs to be a, a little bit more progressive, a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more aware of uh, what's going on and, and uh, being a little bit more accepting uh, and maybe getting rid of some of uh, stereotypical beliefs. And I'll let you go back and read the diversity report and look at the staff administration section and the way some of the thought process go there and also with the coaches. So I think there's, as I said earlier, there's still a lot of work to do in that area. And I think they're on the road to, um, to making it a more inclusive environment, both in the football program and um, as an athletic department and got to keep working on that and being transparent and being open and willing to help and letting people help and educate you uh, to be better in that area. So I appreciate that question, Melrose Hawkins uh, and Haydensley on the Hawkeye Nation um, message boards. And I appreciate all the Twitter and Facebook questions. That'll do it for another edition of the Hawkeye Nation Mailbag Podcast. This is Rob Howe, publisher of HawkeyeNation.com. Thanking you for joining me, and we'll be back again soon. Hopefully we get this uh, external report back soon, and when we do, uh, Andrew Downs and I will get together for a podcast going over that. But until then, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to, talk to you again soon.